Hey everyone, it's Vivian. Before we get started with the very first episode of the Undersiders podcast, I just wanted to apologize. I'm new to sound editing, and this episode was really quite an eye-opener for me because I learned all of the things that I should have done before we started recording that I didn't. This audio is not going to be the normal quality that we will be putting out, and so I apologize that there are some things that I just couldn't fix. You hear me typing and taking notes, and our voices don't always sound the same. I've learned a lot about sound editing in the last couple of days, thanks to a lot of you on Twitter, and I know our next episode is going to be sounding really crisp. I hope this isn't too distracting because I think this is a great first episode. All right, I won't spoil it. Enjoy the episode. This is the Undersiders Podcast, episode one, take one. Take one. We're There's only one take. Trade. There's only one take, <laughs> only just one so we're clear. <laughs> You're ruining. I'm trying to get into like. I'm trying to like get into like mood here, and you're just sorry. fucking ruining. You're right. You're I'm right. Sorry. We're sorry. All of us are sorry, Tommy. The ages unrecorded have long since passed, and to our benefit, now, the woes of our present shall henceforth be written down. The words of Polonius, last of the hermit kings. From black forests, lush and full of nature's song, the beings of this planet that we now survey come forth. Before them lay the spoils of the ascended, now called gods in their own right, separate from those that came when the world was not but wilderness unfettered. In the glory of the peace, tribes and travelers from across the many lands of Gaia came together, to forge nations born from discordant harmonies, their bastard names a curse to some and a blessing to others. Amori, the birthplace of true gods that lies across the tideless waters to the south. Serbialis, the great and eternal empire to the west. Tolua, the fount of liberation scattered across the islands that dot the expanse of the brilliant waves. Lostris, a once lost land of ever war, far flung and only recently found. And finally, Ossinheim, the land of knights and nobles where our story takes place. Gaia teems with possibility. And as the road stretches before you, it will soon be realized. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of The Undersiders. We are so glad to have your audience this, uh, this morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're able to tune in. As we travel along a small dirt path, we find a human woman. The sky is filled with roiling clouds, dark and somewhat foreboding in their structure and presence. The sky has turned dark gray as the beginnings of Atlas and Aurelia, or Arcturus, Atlas and Arcturus, the two moons, which I definitely know the name of because I wrote this world, begin to crest over the horizon, the sun distantly setting. 
Aster. Hello. The walls of an ancient fortress stand res resolutely against the setting sun, bathed in muted oranges and reds and purples as the gray overtakes most of the sky and its visage. Your goal is certainly not that far off, as Heldstetten awaits, and within it, at least according to rumor, the Assembly of Heroes. As you walk along these scattered farmlands that you now find yourself amongst, I'd like for you to make a perception check. Here we go, golly. First roll of the game. And it is an 18. Oof. Wonderful, wonderful. As you walk along, your eyes scanning across the fields, you see a few disparate figures amongst the grains and uh, crops that grow along the roadside. Few humans bearing uh, sickles or scythes clear away some of the rotted and old chaff, I suppose, making way for what seem to be dwarves and gnomes bearing seeds to scatter amongst the fields anew. Beyond that, you see a faint tree line uh, offset about maybe 100, 200 meters away. And though your eyes are tired from the travel, though your mind is a little bit hazy, what with the disagreeable weather that seems to be rolling in, you do see a few disparate shadows that shift in ways that you find to be unsettling, I guess would be the word. Continuing on, the laborers tend to their work as best they can, and a few of them actually cast their eyes towards you. Some in curiosity, others in downright confusion. What do they see as you walk along towards Heldstetten? Asta is a human woman. She's about five foot six, um, a slight frame, but obviously stronger than she looks. She has dark hair, which is falling down into her eyes, which are themselves very, very dark. She has some freckles across her nose, but this doesn't make her look sweet. In fact, she has quite a hard face. And she wears a mantle of fur over her shoulders, covering some scale mail armor. And across her shoulder, she is carrying a glaive. Hashtag no. fur cloak. <laughs> she looks fabulous. Let's not, <laughs> let's not deny it. Of course, fabulous, fierce, and whatnot. Now, <laughs> point of order, remind me what a glaive is. <laughs> <laughs> so a glaive is a... It's kind of like a polar weapon. Um, mm. It's very long, like a spear with a blade on the end. Ah, sort of like an axe head or something like that? Uh, that would be more like a pole axe. So it's ah. kind of like a... So it's almost like a sword blade on the end. Okay, a sword blade. Interesting. Yes. They're so quite the, fearsome. And quite fearsome, of course. <laughs> the weight of the glaive on your back you're used to it at this point. You've been traveling from the south of Ostenheim for so long, just looking for the assembly, the proper assembly. Various people have 
tried to double cross you or otherwise mislead you from your goal. But now, just south of Tortmine, you find yourself in Heldstetten. At least, what's hopefully the final destination of your toilsome travels. Again, the initiates sort of look to you and blink a few times in confusion, but they seem to keep to their work. You see they are being supervised by figures that, well, with an 18, figures that seem to be uh, as imposing as you are. However, these uh, are clothed in sort of finer, more well-kept mail. Um, but as time goes along, you notice that the, the walls grow ever higher as you grow ever closer. What would you like to do as Hellstead <laughs> awaits your arrival? Golly, big question. So Asta's tired, but she is keen to immediately find what she's looking for. She's not the kind of girl who will um, delay. So as she approaches uh, Hellstetten, she will go up to the guards, and if there are guards, that is. Of course. <laughs> of the town, and nod, and immediately ask them where... Um, oh, what uh, time of day is it, Jason? Well, uh, as the sun is setting, uh, uh, go, yes. ahead, uh, go ahead and roll a... Uh, a time a, check. Nature check. A nature check. <laughs> time check. Roll the look at your watch. <laughs> That's a 17. Golly, all these high rolls. Good, good thing that you're wasting them now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, on my perception and nature checks. I have to say that Aster is, is uh, proficient in both nature and perception. So. Fantastic. So looking to the sky, assessing the general time of day, uh, given that it's the tail end of the frosted four months, it's, it's pretty safe to say that it's probably around... 6 p.m. ish, at least colloquially, colloquially, as we would understand it. <laughs> mm, right. So but, it's uh, starting to get chilly, I guess. Yeah, the you notice, uh, at least among the the laborers, you see brief puffs of mist, sort of mm. expelled from their mouths as they continue their labor with a little bit more of a uh, haste than what you would normally anticipate. Okay. As you approach the gate, you see two guards bearing similar pole arms uh, to you, actually. Uh, glaives of their own with somewhat muted filigree adorning the, the blades themselves. One of them seems to be leaning very lazily against the gate to Hellstetten, the closed portion of his part of it. And the other is more attentive, but that seems to be because he is guarding the uh, open portion of the gate. His eyes sort of dart around, and uh, there seems to be a nervousness about his form, almost like he's wringing the the pole arm as if it was some some 
<laughs> poor animal's neck. Like, he, he definitely—he <laughs> uh, definitely seems to be uh, on edge, as it were. The heavy helmet that he wears obscures most of his features, except for this very, very just sad beard and a square jaw. Um, his frame is a little bit more uh, rugged than his clothes might suggest, considering that they are almost stuck to his body. The male is very much uh, uncomfortable for him, it seems. But as he sees you approach, the nervousness sort of flies away, and he stands at attention and holds up his hand <laughs> in a mm -hmm. sign of greeting, I suppose. Ah, oh, in a sign of greeting. Oh, I thought for a second that he was saying, no entry here, in which case I was going to have to crack some skulls so early on in our game. <laughs> no, um, Asta will uh, sort of hesitantly raise a hand to him as well and start to go through the gate only, only to pause and then turn back to him. And she will ask, um, is, is this where I might find the Assembly of Heroes? He blinks a few times and sort of looks at your lips a little bit curiously. He then sort of leans around you and... It wasn't evident before because of the shadows, but there is a slight sort of yellowish-green tint to his skin. And, of course, the, though they are small, the tusks still sort of impede his speech as he speaks to his counterpart. What languages do you speak? Uh, Asta speaks uh, giant and orc. And common, uh, of course. Well, uh, you're, you're, <laughs> I, I feel like I might understand this next conversation. <laughs> you do indeed. Uh, <laughs> the, in Orcus, the, this guard uh, turns to his compatriot and says, she don't, don't know what she's saying. Please help. <laughs> The second figure, more slight in form, but not in musculature, sort of responds and says, All right, all right, don't worry, I'll take it. Ah, uh, Asta feels a little awkward. Um, and she will say in, in orc, uh, I'm sorry to have inconvenienced you. The half-orc guard actually sort of is jostled by the fact that you speak orc and you see his muscles lock and somewhat shiver almost. So tightly wound is this character. The other steps forth and holds out a hand, trying to calm his friend, and he takes off his helmet. There's a sort of ruby-red complexion to his face, and in two sort of stunted growths on top of his forehead, you notice the base of horns, dotting of magenta and purple, kind of marring the skin around these two would-be growths. The tiefling steps forward, his eyes goldenrod in color, peering at you very intently. Not threateningly, but very aware of what you seek. He seems to have understood the question better than his fellow guard. Hmm. The Assembly of Heroes, you say? 
Yes. Am I in the right place? You are indeed. An applicant, yes? I should think so. I should hope so. His hand motions toward the door, uh, inviting you in. Uh, okay, Aster will go in, but sort of keep, keep, keep an eye on him out of the corner of her eye. <laughs> of course. He sort of nods and looks to his uh, friend. Durable? In about, uh, he looks to the sky very intently. 30 minutes. 30 minutes and then call the rest of them in. The half-orc whose name uh, you caught was Durgul sort of nods and clears his throat as the tiefling steps behind you. Surrounding you, there seems to be a small and uh, unimpressive village. But amongst them, not standing past a pitiful, pitiful town square, there stands a keep. Aged and weathered, battered by time, it stands resolutely nonetheless. A circle of brilliant stained glass adorning its front. The colors themselves would be more impressive were the sun shining and were the weather more agreeable. But as you step in, as your eyes adjust, you get the sense that you've found what you're looking for. Well, that's a mighty fine keep you have there. And, uh, well, thank you for your guidance here. And uh, she'll just kind of awkwardly nod and indicate that she can take it from by herself from this point. She doesn't like being escorted anywhere. The guard sort of nods, reading your discomfort at his presence. But nevertheless... He stays by your side. Ugh. Hmm. So, as I'm walking towards the keep, he is still <laughs> walking next to me? Well, walking a bit behind you. Uh, like the... two steps behind? Almost, yeah. So I can feel his, his eyes sort of burning into the back of my head. Go ahead and roll an insight check. Insight, insight, insight. Fourteen. This guard, I don't know, he's very hard to read for you. Although you're accustomed to guards and whatnot, his manner, his demeanor, the way that he carries himself, it's almost like he's walking on air rather than on solid ground. And for the most part, he seems to be concealing a portion of the truth from you. Asta will just stop in her tracks as suddenly as possible and sort of wheel around to look at him and say, is there something I can help you with? I think I can find the keep perfectly well by myself from here, sir. Of course you can. But, I, and I ask you this in earnest, can you find an assessor so easily? Go ahead and roll a history check. History! 
that would be a seven. Ha-ha! First <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I'm proficient in, too, so I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's going to be another great role. Oh, no. You've read about the Assembly of Heroes. You know their general purpose, but the specifics, they unfortunately elude you. The tiefling sort of recognizes the confusion on your face as you ask what the hell is an assessor. I have a feeling you have come for reasons that are entirely your own. Motivated she by She says glory. nothing. She just stares at him with her dark eyes. Motivated by glory, vengeance, that is of no concern to the assembly. But... We do not accept applicants whose skill has not been catalogued and, as my title would imply, assessed. You're not just a guard? Today I am a guard. But I am not oh. always a guard. Well... What should I call you, then? He blinks a few times. He smiles at the question and holds out his hand, long fingernails extending from a fingerless leather glove. Pero. And how do you spell that, good sir? <laughs> if someone were to be taking notes, ah. Peril. Well, fine. You can keep following me if you like. And Astor will turn back and carry on walking towards the keep. She has no inclination to start sharing with this man. Peril nods and understands your trepidation. As you walk towards the keep, the doors seem to open for you, dragged by unseen forces. Interesting. Asta sort of glances around and looks at Peril to see if there's any kind of nod of, um, uh, what's the right word to say, like, you know, go on or, or whatever. She just needs a moment of confirmation, maybe. He does not give it. He simply shrugs and looks to you. Well, then she storms in. Rushing in a smell of rust and time and just ancient stonework hits you. Peril follows close behind and closes the door. From there, our vision pulls from Aster, away from this ancient keep, away from this surrounding farmland and the small forest that surrounds it. Across a wide cobblestone road, we come to another portion of Ostenheim. Gaia breathes new life into you, bolstering your resolve day. The Bryn wildlands stretch out in every direction, calling you to travel on through the night. Day? Yes? Rumors of ancient ruins that contain runes of ancient power and magic abound 
in this area and Tort Mine and uh, I believe Goldhaven is the name, being the two main centers of them. Following these rumors, you find yourself in the black forests of the Bryn Wildlands, alone, preferable to your tastes. The night crawls on as you are able to peer through uh, portions of the treetops that adorn this patch of forest that you find yourself in. I actually ask you to roll a perception check. <sighs> All right, hey. Thirteen. Okay. Peering through the treetops as best you can, uh, it's impossible to say exactly what time of night it is, but it has finally settled properly in tonight, at least from where you stand. Given that you can't exactly see the setting sun, but notice its disparate rays scattering across the gray sky, across clouds, uh, rolling clouds of a steel complexion, you notice that the rest of the wildlands seem to be calm. Only the faintest breeze blows through them, and the treetops are only rustled slightly as the wind passes through. As naught but forest surrounds you, if someone were to perhaps stumble upon day, what would they find? Who would they see? Um, day is an elf. She's a wood elf, so she has dark skin and dark hair. Right away, I think people would be drawn to her face, which has a mass of scarring on the left side that has left a, a very interesting imprint, um, like vine or patchwork. It's not scarring all over the place, but rather in pieces. And then second, I would say her eyes would draw people in because there's something very unnatural about them. They're a gold and a green and always shifting in color that makes people think that they're not right. There's something unsettling about them. Uh, is it a discoloration or just a general, like, sense of... I think just a, gen just a general sheen. The coloring of the eyes isn't natural. They're too gold, too green... The colors are too bright, and she also has scarring under each of her eyes. Hmm. And she wears all white, so even though I imagine there's dirt everywhere, she may even have some dirt on her face, on her hands, any part of her that is exposed over her leather armor, she's wearing a pristine white robe that is absolutely spotless. Hmm. Is it by virtue of the garment, or is it by careful attention that Day keeps this robe very uh, pristine? By magic, of course. By magic, of course. <laughs> and indeed, uh, I'm assuming this is prestidigitation that is keeping fabrics oh, oh, yes. free. Yes. <laughs> fabrics free from spoilage or stain. Exactly. <laughs> of course. 
And you've had, unfortunately, much cause to use prestidigitation over the past few hours, as one rumor in particular captivated your imagination. Your most recent curiosities have led you on the path of finding a crystal of everfire? At least that's the most equitable common translation of what you seek along with a whole host of other goodies scattered amongst ruins that, well, go ahead and roll an intelligence check for me, just so I can see how much of the details you recall. All right. Intelligence? Yes. Just general intelligence. I got a nine, so it's an 11. Okay. Taking your time, allowing the beauty of the forest to sort of pass over your um, your mind for a moment. Ah, yes. West of Tortmine. Across the Bryn Wildlands, over a few disparate hills, there are ruins. The scale and breadth of it you're not entirely sure of, but you are quite secure in the knowledge that there is something of interest to you. To the west? To the west, yes. At least from where you currently are. All right. Day is going to pull out a book that she has and quickly scribble her location, draw a little map, something to help her remember where she was, and then write west. And then she's going to head in that direction. All right. Going along and... And her handwriting, it's beautiful. Oh, of course, of course. (laughs) The most beautiful handwriting ever. There was no doubt her handwriting was pristine. She uses prestidigitation to make sure it's pristine. (laughs) She takes out a ruler and she measures all the letters to make sure that they're... So, after this beautiful... Fount of calligraphy springs forth from Thank your you. Thank you. Uh, from your quill. Um, you close the book, paying careful attention not to smear the ink and whatnot. <laughs> close it and continue west. As the night sky darkens, not by virtue of the time, but by virtue of the clouds that gather, a distant roar of thunder sort of washes across your ears. Carried with this low roar are the sounds of the forest. You're accustomed to them. But I would like you, if you can, of course, to roll a nature check. Oh, I sure can. (laughs) Shit. Sam stole all the good rolls. <laughs> That's a Already? six. That's a six. <laughs> That's a Who is this six. can you speak of? There is only Asteria here. Aster- <laughs> <laughs> right. Day just looks to the sky and she's like, someone stole all the good rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Amidst these disparate howls and goings on of insects and distant animals 
there's almost an unnatural scream that emanates. And you would describe it as a scream, but it's very hard to tell with any sort of specificity what exactly it is. Can I make a... um, Can I tell which direction the scream is coming from? Does it sound like Um, I'm walking straight towards it? With a six, unfortunately, it just... It seems to be muted by the forest, and yet its sound is diffused so widely that, unfortunately, even if you were able to divine its source, uh, you're you're certain that it would probably have already moved. Mm. Um, so I'm going to pull my uh, crossbow out, <laughs> and I'm going to have it kind of, like, pointed in the air, but also ready, and I'm just going to slow my pace. And try and figure out if I can figure out where the scream is coming from and what it is. Of course. I'm going to, like, actually, scratch that. I'm going to Charlie Angels, like, up against a tree. So I'm going to put my back against a tree and, like, do, like, a squat with, like, my crossbow in the air. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, that's Mission Impossible. You know what? We're going with it. I'm going to do a Mission Impossible where I put my back (laughs) up against the tree and I kind of (laughs) squat. You're going to do an insert action movie here and do describe exactly. <laughs> action. All right. So, um, as you sort of press yourself up against the tree, I need to I need to hear that stealth roll from you just to see how well you conceal your your presence. Um, I don't need to because I'm a wood elf, so I uh-huh. can like naturally blend into. I can attempt to hide even when I'm only lightly obscured by foliage. And other yes, natural but, phenomena. So I'm hiding with the tree, dude. But that still <laughs> requires a roll. <laughs> no, I don't think it requires a roll. Does it mean I have yeah. advantage? It does say attempt to. So attempt I mean, to hide. But what, yeah. is, but what is the point of the Mask of the Wild? I can always attempt to hide. Yes, anyone but, anyone can attempt to hide. So what's the but, benefit of Mask of the Wild? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's in, in combat. Remember, um, in in combat, you can always attempt to hide in um, foliage and stuff. I'll say, just for the purposes of this scenario, considering that you're you're all alone, you believe. Um, oh, creepy! I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and say that with that mask of the what was it? Wild. Wild, yeah. I'll say that this grants advantage on s- certain stealth rolls in certain scenarios. Okay, fine. Fine. So I get advantage, right? Yes, advantage. I'm going to roll two d20 at the same time. Ooh, a Holy, risk taker. Okay. So anyways, that is a four plus two, which is a which is a six. I'm not sure if you were able to do the math there, but four plus two is six. Time out. That was with advantage? You know what? Let's not talk about what the bad roll was, okay? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, the stark white, unfortunately. You know what? I'm are... really very tired. You know, I'm just—I've yes, had a long of day of that's researching. What it, that's what it is. 
It's not the fact that you're wearing a pristine white robe. It's it's the fact that you're a bit tired. Um, you you do press yourself up against the tree as best you can, uh, given the circumstances. This unsettling howl of something uh, upsetting your uh, your travel westward. But uh, nevertheless, you do sort of notice that the scream has died down almost. Okay. Then, you're still sort of... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're still sort of wary about it. And the wind has now sort of picked up. But uh, unfortunately, there seems to be nothing continuing whatever peril uh, this creature was in. Then I am going to continue heading west, but I'm going to keep my crossbow out. Okay. Your crossbow at the ready, um, this is a hand crossbow, I'm assuming? Yeah, it's a light crossbow, which I think is just a hand oh, one, light right? Crossbow. No, light crossbow is still like a full two-hander, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. It just says crossbow light on my piece of paper. Crossbow light. It's my favorite beer brand. Yeah, is it spelled L-I-T-E? Yes. Light, light diet crossbow. It is still two-handed loading. It's just not as heavy. Okay. Gotcha. Thanks. Who is that strange Is there a man here? I'm not I'm not here. I'm just ignore this voice. Well, not everyone has to sh- just. <laughs> I was kind of confused. I was like, I thought something was wrong. Man. All right. But no, a light crossbow at the ready. You continue and press on through the darkness of the Bryn Wildlands, keeping more attentiveness to the surrounding forest than perhaps you did previously. And though you are invigorated by the prospect of ancient artifacts and (laughs) uh, runes of power. Small, little, I don't want to say doubts explicitly, but ah, it is plain to see that the dangers of such endeavors are still present. Continuing along the forest floor sort of crunching and giving way to your careful steps as you walk uh, through crossbow at the ready you pass by one of the more ancient trees of this forest we travel along its trunk up towards the plain slightly above the the treetops Gaia roars in thunderous applause to your devotion, Vega. Dark clouds bend the treetops of the forest floor beneath you. Tortmine is just beyond a few scant hills and patches of farmland, but tonight? Tonight is for Melora. She called to you a dream Scarcely remembered, and yet so, so vital. I'd like for you to roll a religion check. It's a good thing, as the cleric, that I'm not proficient in religion. 
That's a nine. What? No, how are you not proficient in religion, Vega? Look, Vega's more spiritual than he is religious. He just feels it. I'm, I'm more, I'm more spiritual than religious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, even with that wholehearty nine, oh boy, you do remember disparate bits and pieces from the dream. It was pretty pleasant. You, you sort of foresaw this this storm sort of sweeping through the Bryn wildlands and the surrounding areas. Uh, but you only recall, <laughs> excuse me, you only recall portions of what Melora said? Something about glory glory with day as a star alights in the night. <gasps> Hunt truly with those who bear such a name. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense to you. But the, uh, the Tempest's mistress seems to have blessed this uh, rain-starved piece of, uh, piece of land with a storm of some sort. And as you, do, as you do love this, um, and as you revel in this prospect, as thunderous, uh, billowing clouds continue to roll over the gray of this sky, I'd like for you to roll a perception check. 18. Okay. Hold on, sorry, sorry. I need you to repeat that because I didn't pick up any of that for some reason on the recording. What? Which part, me or when, yeah, you? Yeah, say say your roll again. Oh, do you want me to give the roll sound as well? Like yeah. Yeah. All right. That's an eighteen again. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that worked out very well. I feel like I have All to right. keep that in now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. Yep. And put the little beep noise here. Okay. So, uh, with that 18, you're not that far from the the main road that leads to Trot, uh, Mine. Not Trot Mine, Jesus. Again, I wrote this world. I know all the names perfectly. <laughs> yep, I, I, I believe you, 100%. So, um, you hear a few disparate voices and the rickety... Um, rolling of a wooden cart apparently being drawn by some beast of burden uh curses in various languages sort of uh waft past your ear what languages do you speak um vega speaks uh common giant and draconic well you unfortunately understand none of these curses but they are said with conviction and (laughs) and annoyance at least we know it's not a dragon yeah, I, I like to think that. that <laughs> yeah, I like I like to think that Vega understands like the the good innotation of a good curse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, in the distance, you hear a few disparate voices, like uh, very much like said with annoyance and uh, disdain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess Vega's probably going to head towards the road and towards the sound of the voices then. Of course. If, unfortunately, you had not heard something else that divides your attention. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. With your 18, you hear a howling or a scream of some sort that pierces through to you. 
far away from you, towards the sort of southwest of your position? Well, I think he hears that, and like, that sounds like someone in need, and well. Well, actually, roll a nature check. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That is a 12. Okay. A little bit better. It is definitely not a cry for help. Nope. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. It's a mating sound. Uh, Well, if you rolled a 13, you would have known that. No. Uh, With a 12, this, it's hard to sort of pin down specifically. You've Mm -hmm. heard the, um, you've heard the cry of wolves and such before. Mm-hmm. And while this is similar, there's a there's a difference in intonation, almost as if there is a spoken word behind it. You have traveled the breadth and width of Gaia as you sort of made your way down from the shimmering peaks, but it seems that as you attend to this sound, there seems to be something in the woods, something that needs to be taken care of. This sentiment is reinforced very strongly by a boisterous boom of thunder and the distant light dance of lightning contained within clouds above catching your eye. Okay. Um I guess he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna go take care of that then. Um all the signs seem to point towards it. Alright. Now as you begin to sort of make your way down these hills and across yeah. these hills, again with, unfortunately, a few passers-by uh, unable to see you, what do we see as the audience? Um, you will see a very big boy. Um, <laughs> Vega is a uh, Goliath. Um, he's seven foot seven. Um weighs 320 some pounds he's he's a well-muscled boy um he he's completely bald on his head but he has got the most glorious mustache mm. a little, little just a little curl at the end of it it's you know thick and full and, and it's uh, it's black um and he's got these sort of very pale stormy blue eyes um Mm-hmm. That sort of uh, are very easily like distinct from the tone of his skin, and he he wears uh, somewhat rusty chainmail. Since he's mm-hmm. like spending a lot of time in the rain, it makes it hard to take care of properly yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, and you know, wearing heavy armor. I mean, on his back, he carries this large tower, wooden tower shield. Um, and so from the back, all you would pretty much see is just this shield, if you're looking at him. Um, and at his side, he's got sort of his trusty war hammer. Okay. Very nice, very nice. And I'm assuming this war hammer is drawn as you continue forth? Yeah, I think at this point he probably would, would draw his, his war hammer. And I, I think he would get his shield out as well. Okay, so preparing fully for whatever awaits you within the wildlands, you press forth into the night, resolute and steely-eyed. I'd like for you to... Hmm, what would this be? 
Let's roll a survival check while it's I'm not. never good when the DM laughs. <laughs> oh boy, that's a 23. What? what? <laughs> I am proficient in survival, all right? <laughs> okay, you're level three. You, <laughs> you best be telling me what you rolled on them dice. That was, a, that, that was an 18 <laughs> plus five. Wow. Wow. Okay. Plus five? What yeah, the he's hell? Yeah, proficient man? in survival, and he's a wise boy. He's a wise boy. He's <laughs> he's, he's a very wise boy. He's a wise boy. He, he's Just, he's got. Here's the thing. He's got. He's he's probably one of the oldest Goliaths you'll meet. You know, like, ah. he's working on to his his mid to late thirties, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty old for most Goliaths, considering yeah. most of them die early. Yeah, which is sort of the whole point, <laughs> uh, at, at least amongst the glands and uh, that you were familiar with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, with the twenty-three, uh, you head off squarely in the direction of the scream uh, that emanated from the forest. <laughs> so just just remember, kids, you can ask Vega anything you want about, you know, what berries to eat or exactly. which direction to head, where north is. Just don't ask him any questions about Melora. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> See, he's all. just been listening to this little voice in his head on occasion and, and following the storms. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As you do you head forth in a leisurely pace or, you know, something a bit more quick. Or full sprint, um, like more, bit more quick. He can't sprint because uh, if someone was watching him while he was walking or running, they would notice the very prominent limp in his left leg. Um, and so he's not very quick, but he'll he'll move forward, at, you know, in a hurried pace. He's not a stealthy boy either. Not so. stealth. Not stealthy no. boy. B O I. No. All right. So, uh, well, go ahead and roll an athletics check for me, just to see. Just to see. Well, that's a nat 20. Shit. <laughs> Plus five. <laughs> First one of the campaign. No, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to use them up on all these useless rolls, and then I'm exactly. going to get to combat, and it's all going to be nat ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I'll look forward to that now. So that is a total of 25. <laughs> All right, total of 25. Even though this limp has bothered you for so long, and it usually worsens during storms, the wind seems to pick up behind you. It tossles the hair of your mustache a little bit. <laughs> and for a moment, you swear the limp fades for just the briefest of moments and though it is faint though it is scattered and diffused amongst the various breezes and the treetops that break them you hear the roar of approval as you f as you force yourself to go headlong into danger i like to think that vega would respond with sort of a, a battle cry of his own just because this is what he lives for, you know, the thrill of of sort of challenge, and and he hasn't felt he hasn't felt sort of I assume he hasn't felt this good in a little while. Yeah, it's you been, can't it's just say that he goes headfirst with a battle cry. We've got to hear the battle cry. 
simple metal ring on their first finger. All right. So a simple metal ring uh, bearing any inscriptions or just sort of a circular band of metal. Yeah, just a plain metal band. Ah. Well, nevertheless, it clings to you and you are used to its fit, so no worries there. Looking around, though, you... Pardon. With a 19, find it difficult to sort of slow your step as a howl of some sort, a scream, pierces your ears. It's to the direct south of you. You blink a few times, take in the time of night, the area that you are within. It is an unsettling howl, an unnatural sort of thing. Well, in order to test that, I'd like for you to roll a nature check. Okay. Uh, that is... Uh, natural 20. So, Am 22. Am I the only one who had hey, bad rolls? Hey, join the 20 club. Hot damn! <laughs> Hunter, as you sort of still yourself and catalog everything that your... or scroll through the catalog of everything your mentor had instructed you in, there was one creature that does spring to mind when it comes to this sound. It is not a pleasant creature, and it is very much not a friend to you, or indeed many of the human-adjacent species. Gnolls have always been a nuisance for travelers and woodsmen alike, or woods people, I suppose. But with this howl There seems to be something more disconcerting surrounding it. One knoll is bad, but one knoll, knoll is bad, I should say. Let me just change my notes here. (laughs) Not a mole. Not, no. One knoll is bad. But given what you are aware of these creatures, there's never only one. A fire sort of flares within your chest, a fire instilled in you. This is something that you learned, something that you were meant to dispatch. What do you do? Based on knowing that this is meant for me, I will head towards it. Okay. Do you have any weapons that you would like to draw or anything like that? Mm, Not just yet, no. Okay. Confidently striding forth and continuing on, following the direction of these sounds quite easily with that perception check and your your mind sort of attuned now to the goals of not only your mentor, but of, well, your general purpose. You find yourself moving seamlessly and effortlessly through the many forests of the Bryn wildlands. Over 
a few scattered hills. You descend faster and faster. I'd like for you to roll an survival check. Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, 13. Okay. As you continue your uh, descent down a particularly precarious hill, you still yourself enough to notice that there is a sheer drop-off that you would have most certainly... <laughs> uh, you would have most certainly um, tumbled down had you not halted your forward momentum. Stepping deftly aside from it, you continue down rapidly and will soon find, well, hopefully soon find, something worthy of your namesake to put down. With that, I know that you have yet to meet, but we will end this session. But <laughs> that was a good first session. I liked meeting everyone's characters. Hey, I'm yeah. so on edge right now. I was so anxious because there's something in the woods and Aster is not in the woods and like she doesn't even know you guys yet and worried. Now you know anybody. No, I'm excited to meet the, for the characters to meet. I'm excited to meet that. this mole. <laughs> God, Again with the moles. Is he, a, is he a gentleman or like what's his deal? I guess we'll find out. The, everything isn't just the mole people, okay? Like... <laughs> Not most real. Of, most you of the moles know I know. Most of the moles I know. I don't know. Well, we thank you, everybody, for your listenership. I have been Jason, the DM, and this evening I am joined by... Kem, I've played Asta. Vivian, I'm playing Day. Luke, I'm playing Hunter. And I'm Tommy, and I've been playing Vega. And from all of us to you, we hope to see you soon. Hey, it's Tommy, the voice of Vega in the podcast. Just wanted to give a shout out to Kevin McLeod, whose song Crunk Night is featured in our intro. You can follow us on Twitter at UndersidersPod, where we'll announce any exciting news or, you know, whatever happens to be on V's mind that day. Also, we'd love it if you went over to iTunes and left us a five-star rating and review. Besides telling all your friends about how amazing we are, this is the best way to help increase the podcast exposure so that we can keep bringing you quality content every week. Thanks again for listening and hope to see you on the underside next week.